0: And it is so good to worship the Lord. I'm just gonna keep reminding you guys of this until we meet him face-to-face that we need to worship God, like you need to. The other day I was driving and I was not really feeling good or into it and I just decided, I can't remember where I was going, but somewhere, somewhere, and I just decided to put my worship mix on. Man, and I just got, and I almost, I'm gonna be honest, I almost just, Kind of tested the Lord, like, let's just see how this works. I was feeling like Scrooge McDuck, you know, just like, let's see what happens. And I instantly was brought into the presence of God. And I'll tell you what, worship does that. Studying His Word does that. If you've been kind of stuck or going through the motions or maybe just uh, upside down, I would just encourage you read the Word, worship, pray. It will work, I promise you, as you seek Him. The Bible says, if you seek, you'll find. If you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, the door will be opened unto you. And I often talk to people throughout my journeys and they say, I just don't hear the Lord. I'm like, well, what are you asking them? nothing (laughs) you know I don't hear the Lord what are you reading right now well uh, you know I'm letting you read the the Bible Pastor Luke you know and it's like seek the Lord man so we're gonna do that today so take your Bibles now open up to Revelation 18 and as again we're getting used to this kind of format where we have a live audience here looking forward to October phase two fingers crossed prayers going up and we also have our online audience watching at home sheltering in place whatever you got to do people all over Oregon are those who are not comfortable coming and so I'm gonna do my best to preach to this camera and that camera, that camera, and all my friends right here. It's going to be awesome. So thank you guys for being here. And uh, we're going to open up to Revelation 18 today. And you guys know we're in the book of Revelation. We've been in Revelation at least before COVID began. And we are in Revelation for right around 19 weeks or 32 weeks. I think it was 32 weeks we had been going, maybe 37, but who's counting? I count. But we are going that long since November of 2019. And the book of Revelation is a prophetical book, by and large, the first book. of the chapters there are given to john listen it's important in his pandemic in his situation his 2020 was in the first century and things were coming at him one thing after another and god gave him the word In order that he might know the truth, listen, in order that he might be set free. And this is why it's so imperative. Maybe you're just new to Christianity or maybe we just became friends on Facebook this week and you're watching, who is this guy with his big beard? You know, it's a fire hazard. He should shave that thing. And you're watching and you're wondering, what are these people all about? We're Bible people. We read the book because Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And if you guys are truth knowers, truth bearers, then in a world upside down in a pandemic like this and all kinds of obstacles, you can still know, yeah, but I know what's going on. I know what's happening. And instead of asking that question, why, I can easily go towards, Lord, what would you have me to learn? What are you showing me? What do you want me to do? Here I am, Lord, send me. As a matter of fact, open up your Bibles to Revelation 18, verse 1, and I'm going to read it to you, and I want to kind of use this as a backdrop for what I'm going to try and unpack today and as i read this portion of scripture over and over chapter 18 i'm going to be honest with you let me read it actually just before i get crazy here's what it says it says after these things metatauta in the greek we've seen that before it's a sequential transitional sentence it means one thing's happening and then another thing happens after that pretty hardcore pretty smarty pants stuff right there chapter 18 comes after chapter 17 always does always Has always will. And in chapter 17, we saw the fall of religious Babylon. Babylon, any system, any ideology, any organization, any practice, any thought, listen, that is opposed to, in contrast of, contrary, or in place of God. That's what Babylon means. It let me use a different word. We're gonna see the word Babylon a lot, and you're gonna think of your Bob Marley songs, you know, chant down Babylon and all this, you know, cool stuff. Babylon literally means, in the best way of applicational interpretation, worldly. It's just worldly. It's not of God. It's, just, it's, just, it's, Babylon, it's Babylon, man. And we saw the introduction to anything that is Babylonian or from the Tower of Babel as early as the book of Genesis, where the Tower of Babel was built by Nimrod in the land of Shinar, and Nimrod was against the Lord. And all of these pagan ideas came out of that, and they built the Tower of Babel. They're the religious Babylon. Listen, here's why. Because they're people of God trying to worship God this is crazy apart from God and did you know that if you're a person you're actually a person of God you were made in his image like you're a, you're people you're the people of God well I don't worship God you know it's worldly it's worldly, and there was this system there, and here's what they did, they took this Babylonian structure, the Tower of Babel, and they stacked bricks in order to reach heaven. When I was a little kid, I used to think, wow, how tall was that thing? Like, was that, you know, was it huge? Was it a skyscraper? And like, how, how big could they really have made it? Like, cause I don't know, but I don't think it was actually really, 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 really tall. I think it was actually like a modern day, or should I say ancient ziggurat that was there to not just reach heavens, you know, in height, but to focus on the stars zodiac and astrology and all kinds of representations or replicas or counterfeits of our relationship with the real star the real son of God And so Babylon Babylon so we saw in chapter 17 religious Babylon I just want to say it one more time that was two weeks ago any sort of spirituality any sort of wisdom of man any sort of worship apart from the way that God has ordered it and instructed it and offered it okay is worldly is from a Babylonian foundation, and God's gonna judge it. God's gonna smite it because it's offensive to Him. It'd be like if my kids brought home another man later today and said, This is our new dad. I was like, what are You gotta go to your dad, I'm gonna smite that guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm your dad. And when we take areas and we worship in ways that we construct and that we, how offensive. Let me just say this though. Isn't it crazy? Some people get really mad at the judgment of God. And, And yet, the patience of God, okay, comes well before the judgment of God. How many, don't raise your hand, raise your hand. How many guys think that God should have wrapped this whole thing up long ago? It is so bad. It is so bad, and it's been bad forever. I'm like, God, don't you see what they're doing? He's like, yeah, I see what you're doing too, Luke. And I was like, okay, well, give me some mercy then. And God gives mercy until the Bible says that the cup of God's wrath will finally be filled right now we're in the age of grace. God's willing to forgive people that do stupid things, that try and worship him or serve him or replace him with Babylonian or worldly ways of worship, and then today in chapter 18, after these things, we're gonna see something totally different. It's still a Babylonian idea or a worldly idea, and it's a Babylonian, listen, commercial, economic, or material reality. I'm gonna say that again. And actually, this is a really, really difficult message to preach. When I read this, I was like, I don't want to preach this. Maybe I should get Pastor Rory to pinch hit for me, you know, and get up there. Because the whole idea of chapter 18, I'm going to say a word in front of these other words, but God is looking at the unrighteous commercialism, unrighteous materialism, and the unrighteous wealth, unrighteous pleasure, unrighteous luxury in the world. Right now, and he sees it, and he says, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how you're supposed to use your stuff. And God looks at it and he says, that's not what you're, what are you doing with all that stuff? That's not how you're supposed, it's unrighteous now in the way that it's being utilized. You know there's enough clean water on planet earth for every single person? There's water problems all over. It's not God's fault, it's man's fault. Did you know there's enough food right now and provision on planet earth right now that every single person, all eight billion or whatever it is, everybody could have more than they could possibly need in a whole year's time. There's so much food. People think there's a food shortage. There's not a food shortage There's a sharing shortage. There's a hoarding shortage. There's a system problem and things are broken. And God looks and he says, okay, I'm gonna give you another couple thousand years to fix that. But if you don't fix it, I'm gonna show you what I'm gonna do. And in chapter 18, Chapter 18, as a matter of fact, if you're going to take your Bible and turn to chapter 18 right now, you're not going to go to Hallmark later today and buy a card for somebody, a sympathy card or a Christmas card or a birthday card, and find any verses out of Revelation 18 in any Hallmark card made. There's no... As a matter of fact, before I studied this out last night, I have a couple of Bibles I use, and this one's kind of new. I got it in 2005 or something like that. And before I studied it, there were no verses underlined, nothing highlighted, nothing memorized in chapter 18, because I'm just going to say it my way, chapter 18's the worst. It's the worst, and as we look at it today, I actually have some stuff highlighted and underlined now, but before I keep talking and before my mom silences my dad's phone, love you, dad, very much, these phones. Before I keep going, I just want to once again say, what are we about to study? We're going to study God's word to John that he gave him then as a warning to the people in the last days. Listen, that's us about the commercialism, materialism, about the luxury and the pleasure, all the things that I'm up here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the poster child today, okay, because I got, r- raise your hands if you have more, more pants at home than you need, anybody got more, more pants, okay, me and Tara, okay, and Don and, and Don and Debbie, everyone else, you guys are doing good, two pairs, good job, I have, more pair, I have more pants than I need, I have more shoes than I need, okay, I have more stuff than I actually need, and you got to ask that question, what's going on with What's going on with my heart? I'm going to read verse 1 again to you. It says, After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. I want you guys to get this picture in your mind. John's watching. Religious Babylon is being judged and taken down. All these systems of worship, and people say, just meditate. Meditate on what? Meditate on your navel. No, don't meditate on your navel. And people say, I'm going to send you good vibes. Don't be sending me good vibes. You know, pray for me. And all these counterfeits. And then this angel comes down. I want you to have this mindset, this vision. The angel shows up to earth, and because of his glory, the whole earth is illuminated. What I want you to consider is that when this angel shows up to judge the earth in this day, in the future, in the very near future, it's as if the lights get turned on. The whole earth's illuminated. And when we read this, I want you to understand that God says things differently than you do. You ever been in a dark room? You have no idea what's going on. You don't know what's there. You ever turn your light off and think the spiders go away? They don't. You turn the light off and they just come at you. You know, you don't know what's going on. And it's as if God comes on to planet earth and he turns the lights on. And John's like, whoa. Oh, shoot. Whoa. That's how, as a matter of fact, let me just read another verse. I want you to see what John sees. This angel now describes earth in the future, a couple years from now. But it's a principle for you and I. It says this, and he, this angel, verse 2, cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the great, is fallen, is fallen. He repeats it twice, maybe for, uh, you know, some sort of theatrics or, or emphasis. But most likely, it's because of the religious Babylon and the commercial Babylon. Listen to what he says. And has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now, there's nothing worse than hated birds. Don't you hate the hated birds, man? They're the worst. And I read that. I was like, what's a hated bird? You know, here's here's the point, though. The angel comes, the light is turned on, and all of a sudden, John and this angel see planet Earth as a prison for demons and all foul spirits and all hated birds, and when I started thinking about hated birds, I don't even know what that means. I can't even teach on that. It's just funny stuff. But I started thinking about birds in cages because that's what it says. And I don't know if you know anything, but birds aren't meant to be caged, are they? They're, kind of, they're meant to be fly. You know, fly. If you've ever been in a real shabby zoo or a real messed up, you know, you just know that's wrong. It's just wrong. It's perverse. It's, it's, it's imbalanced. And God looks at planet Earth right now in the religious system, which we talked about two weeks ago in chapter 17, and he looks at the commercial, at the, at the material system today, and he says... That's, that's not what, what it's supposed to be. It doesn't even take long to, to get people to agree with that. Like, yeah, I totally see the imbalance in our world today, and God's going to show us what he wants us to understand right now so we don't find ourselves losing focus and getting distracted, even in the day of, what's this call it, the day of wealth and prosperity here in America. Okay, we're very, very blessed So let me lay down some groundwork and some framework for you who are taking notes. I want you guys to consider something with me. I use that word righteous and unrighteous. There's unrighteous commercialism, unrighteous wealth, unrighteous pleasure, unrighteous luxury. And did you know that there's also righteous wealth, righteous pleasure, righteous luxury? Did you know there's righteous materialism, righteousness? As a matter of fact, I'm going to use this. You guys have heard this teaching before, but there are the righteous rich and there are the righteous poor. And there are also unrighteous rich and unrighteous poor. The righteous poor are those are the righteous rich are those people who steward their wealth well, who invest, who work, who save, who are gifted, who are talented, who are wise, and God uses them to gain wealth in order to then bless others and to steward it for his glory and for others good. You ever met a righteous rich person? I had a guy text me last night. He said he wanted to do something with his money. He told me what he wanted, because he sees all the, the chaos. And I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen until it does happen. But he told me, here's what I'm going to do with my money. I need some contact info. And I looked at this. I said, dude, don't be messing with me. That's, not, for, not for me. It's for somebody else. And he, want, and he has money. And he's righteous. And you guys have all met. Righteous wealthy people that have money they have resources and all they're trying to do god's blessed them and he's entrusted them and maybe you if you're like me and tara and don and debbie you have more than three pairs of pants and everyone else here living in poverty but we have more pants than we need and god says hey are you righteous with your wealth that's a question are you righteous with it do you love god are you grateful last night i was sitting in my house so, so tired and i had to study and i had to read revelation 18 over and over again i was like ah and I just looked at the corner of my house, and I saw two walls coming together. You guys have the same thing at your house. It's kind of cool. And I just looked at the corner. I was like, dang, I have walls. And I was so blessed. I was like, there are dozens and hundreds of people right now in Lincoln County and Oregon and Jackson County. They don't have walls. And I, and I, and I repented real quick because I had to appreciate my walls in, in, in a couple of days, maybe even longer. And I just thanked, I was like, God, I don't have to build a house. I don't have to. I'm good. And I said, like, oh. Thank you for my blessings. And really, to to, to be wealthy, to have enough, to have more than enough, and to stay righteous literally means to do two things, to be grateful and to be generous, okay? You can have millions, you can have billions, and it doesn't mean that you're unrighteous by being rich as long as you're grateful and generous. But have you ever met an unrighteous rich person, a person who has more than they need, just, just like me, and yet they don't find themselves grateful but instead they're ungrateful, they're bent out of shape, they're, they're impatient, they're upside down. You see what they have and, and there's no joy in their life and, and yet they have everything and, it's, and not only are they ungrateful, but they're not generous, they're stingy. Okay, this is the type of materialism and the type of uh, commercialism that the Lord says, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to figure that out, okay? You don't have to get rid of all your stuff. I gave you wealth, I gave you wisdom, I gave you the abilities, but you're not doing it the way I want you to. See, the disciples, when they fed people, Jesus asked them to, they each were given a basket of wealth. There was leftovers, enough, abundance, overflow. God wants to bless people, and he blesses those who will give out of the abundance of what they've been given. That's how it works. It's a principle. God actually said in the book of Malachi, test me. See if you can outgive me. If you give, I'm just going to give back to you. Okay, it's going to be this little game between you and I the rest of your life. Try it. Just try it. As a matter of fact, I, a long time ago, developed a philosophy of ministry, and it doesn't always correlate well with boards of elders and, and leaders and, and in different churches. But in this church and in, in my personal conviction, I believe that one of the goals as a ministry leader and as a church is to spend as much money as possible. It's one of the goals. See how much you can spend. Okay. Now, I've got a couple elders here, a couple, but they're kind of, hey, what are we talking about? You know, and, Whoa, time out, you know, board meeting, board meeting, you know. But I think, I think I, the goal is not, listen, trip out. The goal is not to amass as much as you can. Wouldn't that be crazy? Just amass as much as you can, okay? Get all you can and can all you get and sit on a can. <sighs> That's not the goal. Because have you ever seen a hearse on the way to the grave pulling a U haul trailer? You ever seen that? You just can't take it with you. It's a trick. And so I think the goal is and I put this on Facebook last night. I said, when I get to heaven, I want to roll in on E, empty. And the idea there is that I, I spent it all. I, I gave it all. I didn't try and keep it all. You can't keep it. The person who keeps his life seeks to save it. Jesus said, Luke 17, we'll lose it. We'll lose it. And if you decide, Lord, I'm just going to be generous and grateful. Man, trip out because we're so weird. We're like, I'll get, this is a dollar. You know, and the Lord's like, what? Reminds me of the guy that was concerned of his wealth and he wanted to take it to heaven with him. And so he took all his money and he put it in a bag and put it upstairs in the attic and hung it from the rafters. And he told his wife, when I die, I'm gonna pass through the rafters and my spirit will grab that bag and I'll take it to heaven with me. Kind of got this plan So we put it up there and sure enough, time came and he died. And so his wife went up in the rafters and went into the attic to look and sure enough, there was the bag of money. He didn't grab it. She just shook her head. I said, I knew he should have put it in the basement. That's funny. You get it? You get it? The basement? Because he didn't, he didn't go up. He went down. <laughs> oh, never happened. It's funny. You'll get that some of you online. Oh, man. Uh, anyways, righteous, rich, unrighteous, rich. Let me just lay this fr- framework again before we get further into the text. There also is the righteous poor and unrighteous poor. I want you to settle into this. We have a lot of this in Lincoln County, righteous poor people, people who live in poverty, people who don't, they do have enough pants, maybe two or three pairs, but but they can't just go to the store and buy pants for everybody, or even they, they wait till the end of the year Christmas, and, and they don't have an abundance of money. And yet, they have given themselves over to being the same as the, riches, the rich who are righteous. They're generous, and they're grateful. As a matter of fact, I have been around some of the most generous and grateful people poor or impoverished people here at south beach church and in lincoln county and in my life than i've ever met and i'll tell you what if you're on that that threshold where you're you don't have as much as you maybe think you need or want or as much as that person has over there and yet you can say you know what though i do have enough i I got i got two walls that are abutting i've got i've got a house and you can find yourself working hard there's no reason it's not a sin to be poor here's what the sin is a sin is to be unrighteous a sin is to be ungrateful for what God has given to you and to not be generous. And there are poor who are righteous and there are also poor who are unrighteous. Have you met poor people who are unrighteous or even been there? People who don't work, they're, they're lazy, they're, they're mad, they're not generous, they're stingy, they're bilking the system and all kinds of things. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you don't have. Okay, please listen, because we're about to study about materialism and commercialism and unrighteous worldly Babylonianism. You know what matters the most? Your heart, your relationship with God. As a matter of fact, as I was putting this together last night, I was reading some verses that were coming up in my study in Genesis and in Ezekiel and in chapter 17 of Luke. And I was reading it to my wife and we were both tripping out because it was so crazy about how God has predicted the end times and we know what's coming and how he wants us to then put ourselves together and live our lives and not be confused. Why is the lights being turned on? So that way we can make the right decisions in our hearts. This might be for some of you to look at the way you live your life and the way you pamper yourself and say, do I really need that extra thing? Do I really need that? Can I share this in some way? Can I invite somebody to go with me? Can I, why, where is my heart? Because there's nothing innately wrong with blessings and houses and cars and vacations and pleasure. But did you know there is a line? There's a line where those things you've crossed and it's too much. And your line's different than my line. And my line is established where the Lord has me in my heart. And I'll tell you what, right now, as I'm studying this out, looking at our world today, where there is great loss and great sacrifice. I was talking to Matt Thomas, firefighter, yesterday, and he said, Luke, he said, this fire is gonna change him forever. He said, this fire is gonna change my kids forever. We don't know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a ground zero. He says, when you drive into ground zero, He said, there's no preparing yourself. He's seen it dozens of times. There's no preparing yourself for the devastation. He said, this fire is going to change Oregon forever. My good friend Dave Rich Creek was here yesterday, and and we were talking about the current emergency and then corona, and some of his friends were saying, I can't wait to get back to normal. And he said, it's never going to get back to normal. It's never going to get back to normal. All of this is changing. And as I studied chapter 18, I thought, what? A time to let the Lord search our hearts and to examine our hearts. I want to just keep going normal. I want to go back to February. Everybody vote February. Let's go back to February. Woo! You know, buy some stock, buy some land. Just stay in February. Like calendar goes to March. No. And yet the Lord says, Luke, the best is revealed through the refiner's fire. The best can come out. The best and he's cooking things down and he's revealing motives. And his grace is still sufficient. If you're blowing it, if you're out of control, if you're off the deep end, if you're doing things in a Babylonian or worldly way, and you're still here, and you're still breathing, that means you can repent. Even today and say, oh, Lord, Lord. I'm sorry. As you see the coming judgment, as you see what God intends to do, the warning is given. Look at verse three, it says, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants with her have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Guys, it lists kings and merchants and nations all coming together in a worldly understanding of how to spend money, make money, keep money, and dispense money in a way that is offensive to God. It says there in the very end of verse 3, they have become rich through the abundance of her luxury, commercialism, and materialism, and all these things come out in our world, not just in the end days, but throughout all time. You guys know this is a perennial problem with humanity. Remember that story Jesus told of the man who was in debt? He owed about $50,000 to the government, and the king called his card, and he showed up. He's like, look, I don't have any. I just can't pay, but I will. And he says, no, you're going to jail. And he says, oh, I got a family. Please have mercy. And the king looked at him and said, you know what? I'm feeling good today. $50,000, gone. <laughs> no way. Are you serious? Totally forgiven. Start over, do over, bail out. Get out of here, you rascal. You know? And the guy leaves. He's fired up. And he goes outside and he sees a guy that he had bought in a Subway sandwich for earlier, five bucks. And he said, hey, remember that sub I bought, five bucks? kind of need that five dollars. And the guy said, I don't have five dollars. Like, I'll get it to you later. He's like, no, I need it now. And the guy who had been forgiven 50,000 looked at the guy who owed him five and he turned the wrenches on him and he threw him in jail. And he held him accountable for the five bucks after he'd been forgiven 50,000. And the king heard of that and said, he did what now? How's that? No, say that again. I forgave him 50,000 and he went cray-cray for five bucks? Go get him real quick. Go get him real quick. I'll tell you what, guys. When you realize the debt you've been forgiven, when you re- Jesus told that ludicrous story. It was a parable to illustrate a ludicrous reaction to abundance and wealth and forgiveness and freedom. Who would do that? I guess I, I, guess I might be liable to do that. I guess I might accidentally... Do that from time to time. I might forget the amount I've been forgiven and, and then act like a fool towards the people I love and forget to forgive the people closest to me. Wouldn't it be awesome if the church was so freely forgiven of our debt that we were the freest forgivers of the people that are in debt to us Answering the Lord's prayer, Lord, forgive those who we have offended and forgive us, Lord, even as we've been offensive in Jesus' name. Well, Jesus wants us to walk free of this unrighteous materialism. Look at verse four. And he says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquity. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Guys, pay attention to this. This is important chapter 17, religious Babylon is dealt with. And in chapter 17, there's no call for repentance. There's no like opportunity to to say sorry because it's false religious systems. It's all systems of lunacy that have, listen, no Christianity. Okay. You guys know how many world religions are out there? So many. I lived in Ashton for 13 years. There is some crazy kooky stuff going on. I mean, I, can, I got story after story after story. People say, this is how I believe we should worship. This is the way the earth was formed. This is what's happening, and it is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs with no milk. It's not good. And God says, of those people, he says, just judgment. There's no, but listen, pay attention. For the commercial, material, unrighteous, worldly system, right here in the future, God calls out to the tribulation saints, and he says, his people. The warning is, is that in their unrighteous commercialism and materialism, the church has every possibility of getting swept up with that dual kind of merging in that relationship. And yet here's the good news. Well, the bad news, let me make sure you heard the bad news. The bad news is, is that you and I, we can be Christians, saved. Did you know that if you're a Christian, okay, you believe in Jesus Christ as your savior, that all of your sins have been forgiven, that you have all that writing against you has been wiped away. Christ absorbed your payment, the punishment of your sin. And he absorbed it and he bled out and he died. and He was separated from the father and he rose victoriously. If you're a Christian, your sins, he says he remembers no more. They're gone. But did you know that as a believer, your sins will never be brought up again, but every day you live after your salvation will be brought into an examination time and it's going to be laid out. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It's the bema seat judgment. Where you as a believer, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, yeah! you've got, it's the judgment seat that Olympiads would be brought to. And they would be given the bronze, the silver, the gold medal. And the Bible says that God's eyes are like fire. And he's going to burn away your entire life after you got saved. And everything that was wood, hay and stubble. Okay. It's just going to burn up. It's going to be like a huge bonfire. Some of you guys are going to be bigger than others. Everything you did that wasn't for the Lord, just dumb or weird or stupid. And and then the Bible says, though, those things you did in faith, those things you did in generosity and servitude, gold and silver and precious stones and jewels, all that stuff, it'll remain. And it'll be your reward in heaven. And you'll go to heaven with that commerce of faith. And you'll share it. And you'll worship. And that's kind of how it's going to look. And the Lord is so good. Please listen because you're his kid if you're a christian okay he's not mad at you he's not angry but he is concerned enough to warn you and to say again and i heard another voice saying come out of her my people whose voice is this it's the lord saying guys don't get swept up why not i have three kids and i love them And when I see them doing dumb things or investing their wholeheartedness into foolishness, I have to kind of make a decision as their dad. How how far am I gonna let this go? (laughs) How far, you know, if it's something it's gonna, it'll end and they'll figure it out. But if my kids piled all their money together and they said, dad, we're gonna take all our money. We took all of our uh, piggy banks and we have have 5,000 bucks, which they don't. But let's say that 5,000 bucks, dad, we're gonna go outside and our neighbor, the neighbor kid wants to sell us a bucket of air. And, man, we can't live without air, so we're just, we think it's a great investment. We're going to go give them $5,000, and we're going to get a bucket of air. We're going to share it with everybody. We're going to be super generous, super grateful for that air. I would counsel them not to do that. I would say, that's a foolish investment. You don't need what I've already provided. And I would, I would, no! And this is what God is saying to his kids who get swept up in this. I just want you guys to see the mercy of God, the heart of God. Once again, he's, he doesn't want you and I to blow it. This is such a hard message to preach because we're such softies, we are such babies. And a simple attitude of gratitude today might be all that God wants you to have. Can you imagine if a fire victim came to your house later tonight and just peeked in on you and you were super grumpy that you had to take the trash out? And that fire victim said, you have trash? I lost my trash. I don't have anything. Wouldn't that be offensive if we found ourselves living our life and this warning comes out? You know, this warning reminds me of the warning that was given to Lot and to his family. You guys remember Lot back in Genesis? I don't have time to read the whole story, but you guys remember Lot and Abraham were pilgrimaging through the world and God was calling them and they posted up together and they needed separate land because of all their stuff. And the Bible says that Lot posted up near Sodom and he looked up and he saw that they had a Coles, they had a Gap, they had a Macy's. And they had a Starbucks, and he's like, can I go there, uncle? You know, I think they were brothers, actually. And could I go there? And Abraham's like, yeah, I'm going to stay out here in the woods with God and just worship he's like, And he went into the city. Lot did, because he liked it. And he went in, the Bible says just a few years later that he was sitting in the gate, which means he's a council member in the city. Usually council members want to kind of preserve the city and make it so, you know, that they like it. And he was serving his own interest, and none of that's necessarily sinful, And when you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, maybe it's just me, but when I think of Sodom and Gomorrah, I think of dark, immoral, sexual perversion, chaos. Like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, and it was, okay? You guys know that. Sodom and Gomorrah was the end of the train for the judgment of God in sexual perversion and confusion. It was all bad. And when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, I usually just assume, well, it's because they were so immoral sexually, okay? That was part of it. I'm going to read to you out of the book of Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel chapter 16. It says, look, verse 49. This was the iniquity of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. (laughs) I read that last night, I almost fell off my chair. I'm gonna read it again. This is Sodom's sin. Why did God judge Sodom? Here's why. Because she had pride. Uh Uh-oh. She had abundance of food and abundance of idleness. That means she wasn't using her time well. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And God looked at that and said, that's not right. I've blessed you. I've blessed you and you're spending your time in idleness. Guys, this is America 2020. 2020 is kind of a wash. We don't even know what's going on. But isn't it interesting that our whole entire system is built on entertainment? Do you realize this? I mean, we just love And I'm, I'm not, I'm preaching to myself. We love entertainment. We love it. We love to be amused. Did you know that the root word muse, muse means to engage, to think, to consider, and to engage. You're musing on something. You're just musing. Did you know that if you put an A in front of it, to amuse, means that you're doing the exact opposite of that. You put an A in for, ah, millennial means you don't believe in the millennium. Ah, amusement means, you know what I like to do? I don't like to think. I don't want to do anything. When I started thinking that through last night, you know what my favorite place to be on planet Earth is? Is in my nothing box where I'm not doing anything. You know what I mean? Men have the nothing box where you just go and you just get in your nothing box and you just sit there and there's nothing going on. Man, that's my favorite place to be. And I repented that because I want to just do nothing, you know. And the Lord says, Careful of that abundance of idleness and not strengthening in the hand of the needy? Oh, and you're prideful in that? As I began to see the sin of Sodom, why Sodom was judged, I began to recognize the sin of myself, I'll say first, but also America and the church. Did you know that the angel of the Lord was sent to Sodom and Gomorrah to warn Lot just like this verse in chapter four? The angel showed up and said, hey, you got to get out of here, bro. We're going to, it's going down. He said, well, just come and hang out for a night. What? And and, and chaos happened. You guys know the story. It's chaos. And the next day, check this out. This is so intense, guys. Jesus was asked a question by some Pharisees one day. And they asked him, they said, what's it going to be like right before you return? So he told them. This this, this chapter 18 we're studying, it's about the end times. Jesus told his boys 2,000 years ago as well. This is what Jesus said in Luke 17. I want you to pay attention. He says, and it was as it was in the days of Noah so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Can you imagine that? Right up until the very first day of rain that came, the people of Noah's day were just partying, living their lives in an unrighteous connection to God, doing whatever they did wrongly. I don't know how you guys interpret or... Prepare yourself for the very end, for the rapture of the church and for the, the, the return of the king. I tend to think it's gonna get so bad we're gonna like know it. Did you know that the Bible says it's gonna be business as usual in a lot of ways in an unrighteous system of worldliness right before the Lord returns. Je- Jesus goes on. He says, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they painted, they planted they painted too. they planted, they built but on the day that lot went out of sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all even so it will be in the day when the son of man is revealed in that day he who's on the house stop listen and his goods are in the house let him not come down to the house to take them away and likewise the one who's in the field let him not turn back stop right there i, up here. I want you guys just to understand the severity of what, what jesus is saying He said, it'll be like Lot's days. It'll be like Noah's days. Everyone's going to be doing stuff. Just doing stuff. Just TikToking, Just going for it, getting married, getting after it. Investing, buying, planting. Just doing stuff. That doing stuff, not necessarily unrighteous. It depends on where your heart is. And Jesus says, just like Lot's day, just like Noah's day, in that day, there's going to be people up on the rooftop that are going to want to go down and grab their stuff. I was reading this last night. I was like, "Dude, how many people right now lost their homes? They couldn't go back and get their stuff." It's coming! Evacuate now! Level three red! Go now! <laughs> you know, flames! What nightmare! Nightmare! Tears! Nightmare! Near death experiences. People barely getting out. Jesus, said, oh yeah, that's what's going to be like. That's what it's going to be like. And then Jesus says one of the shortest verses in all of the entire Bible, Luke seventeen, verse thirty two. Remember Lot's wife. What the heck? You guys remember Lot's wife, right? I don't even know her name. She's just Lot's wife. Is Lot's wife? Is Lot's wife? wife, It says it right here. It says, whoever seeks, Jesus says in verse, actually, I'll tell you about Lot's wife. Verse 32 says, remember, Jesus is serious. Guys, it's going to cut you off guard. It's going to happen. There's going to be some waking and shaking, but it's going to happen just like it did. And Lot's wife, you guys remember, was asked to evacuate Sodom. She wasn't sexually immoral. She wasn't all impure, all these things that we think. Instead, she, like her husband, was attracted to the unrighteous wealth and materialism. And so, when fire was coming down, you guys know, the angel says, Don't look back. And Lot's wife, you guys know the story, was running. You guys ever ran while looking behind you? Ooh, you know, you can't do it. You're going to run into stuff. You're going to run crooked. You're going to run wrong. You're not going to run straight. And the principle is don't look at the things of this world with longingness, with desire. Guys, this is hard. I got a crowd of about 30 people. And there's some young people and some old people. And there's some investors. And there's people in here. There's, there's doctors in here. There's people. There's business owners, okay? And I'm right there with you, and I want to, Lord, how do I how do I navigate that? I don't want to get swept up into the commerce, into the unrighteousness of this world. Two things. Stay grateful. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, and stay generous. How can you be you, you can't outgive the Lord? Well, I can't be too generous. That sounds a little bit crazy. Can't be too generous. I'll be, I'll be a little generous. No, try the Lord. Test him. Test him. Show up to heaven on empty. Give it away. Give your heart, start with your heart. Who cares about your stuff? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Let the Lord use your heart. Remember a severe warning from Jesus. Remember Lot's wife. And then Jesus gives us that classic line. Preceding that line though is remember Lot's wife. And then he gives the warning. Here it is. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life, who gives it away, will preserve it. And Jesus goes on to talk about that day that it's going to happen like a thief in the night. And Two will be together. and One will be gone. And two will be working. One will be gone. And it's going to happen fast. And instead of trying to preserve your life and preserve your stuff and hold on to it all. The two happiest families I met yesterday had lost it all. How does this happen? I think I'm going to be the happiest when I get my stuff. Are you there with me? Do you think you're the happy? I mean, that's just where I'm at. I remember when the iPod classic came out, 32 gigabyte video iPod player. Man, I didn't have an iPhone, it was back in the day. and Man, I was so fired up and I remember it, I just remember it because I couldn't afford it. And you know what I did? I bought it anyways. And I remember I was newly married, young, had a kid, and I was kind of, a, you know, I shouldn't have done it, but I was like, and I just bought that sucker. And here's why though, because they were offering free engraving at the time. I was like, I can't pass that up, you know. And so I got it engraved and I had it sent. I remember it was because it was during a Bible study. I got it in the mail right before a noon Bible study at Southern Oregon University. And so I brought it with me to Bible study. I was so excited about this new piece of technology. And so I opened it up, like kind of ignored Bible study. And I, I remember, because I pulled it out and I turned it on and I, I thumbed through it like maybe 90 seconds max and instantly let down. It's like, oh, okay. And I'm not kidding. It was so fast. I made a decision after 120 seconds. That's two minutes. After two minutes, I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sell this. <laughs> and so I put it on Facebook for sale. And this girl comes over to me. Like, I want to buy that for my mom. And I was selling it to her for 200 bucks. I lost 20 bucks on the deal. And I was giving her 200. I said, hey, full disclosure, I had something engraved on it. And she said, what'd you engrave on it? I said, I put it on there. It's all gonna burn. And she looked at me and she's like, well, my mom's a J-dub and she's an annihilationist. So she's going to like that. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that everything's going to burn and there's no afterlife. And she's like, she'll like that and bought it from me. I was like, what the heck? You know? But I remember it because I, I wanted it so bad. And maybe you've done this. Maybe you've tried to get that new device or that new boat or that new thing, which doesn't have to be a sinful thing. It really doesn't, guys. You don't have to sell everything and freak out. But the Bible asks you and me, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Right now, our our county has lost so much. Have you seen it? I was on stage here yesterday. We were setting the lights, and I was crying, watching people set up clothes, watching people unpack brand-new backpacks and brand-new pants and brand-new, because I knew that they had just gone to the store and bought it. I was like, the generosity. Our county right now is showing such generosity and such love and such a response, and everyone wants to help. And, And what's the backdrop? Complete chaos and loss complete devastation and i'm thinking is that what it takes lord does it take that to to bring the best out of us what if it just does what if it does what if it's not getting a whole bunch of stuff and then that vacation and that experience and that relationship and these things that aren't necessarily elicited in and of themselves what if it's not those things that make me happy but it's my relationship with the lord you guys know this is ancient right this is how it's been the whole time first john Chapter two, verse 15. I'll just read it to you. John says this, John, Pastor John, old man John, older than John Smith even, it's hard to do. Pastor John said this, he said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And here's why, please listen. Because if my kids brought back a $5,000 bucket of air, I'd be, "Oh, dude, you did what now?" Oh no, I think you got. I don't think you did that right. Here's why: For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever." Such wisdom in First John chapter 2. Guys don't love the things of this world. Doesn't mean you can't have stuff, but careful. Where your heart is, your treasure is gonna be there. Careful friends, careful young people, careful friends watching at home. Because all that stuff is wasting away, it's fading away, it's rusting away, it's being stolen away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Guys, check this out. Trip out, trip out, trip out. Did you know that in Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve had everything? <laughs> they were so taken care of. And the devil came over to him and said, Are you sure? Are you sure? No, I'm pretty sure. I've never thought about it if I'm sure. I've always been sure, but now that you ask me, I don't know if I'm sure. And he challenged God's word. And the Bible says that Eve fell into three traps. She saw that the food was good, lust of the flesh, and it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and that it would make her wise in the pride of life. The same original temptations provided to you and me today is that gonna make my flesh gonna make me happy okay is that gonna make my eyes happy the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is that gonna make me a better person these temptations these lures are in the water right now for the fish of god that are swimming around and if you're like a normal person just a normal sinner like me okay the pride of life I want people to like me, I want followers, I want likes, I want shares, I want, I want this and I wanna be a YouTube influencer and all these ideas out there that people are looking to. Why? Watch out, pride, watch out. Pride will lead you so far away from the Lord, you'll be off camera just like I just got you. You cannot walk with the Lord in pride. How do you, how do you diminish pride? I'll tell you how, attitude of gratitude. Be thankful, be thankful. The most fun people to be around in my entire life are grateful people. They're just happy. Some people bring joy wherever they go. Some people bring joy whenever they go. You get the difference? I've been both. (laughs) I've been both. And I want to be so grateful and so humble. And Jesus gives us this warning, and it's all the way in Genesis 3. Our first parents fell for this sin, and John tells us, don't love the things of the world. Why? Because it's fading away. And I like to hang on to my stuff, and, and I buy things, and I have things. And the Lord says, that's not going to heaven. Last night I was putting all this together, and I had my laptop there, my gadgets, and my stuff, and, and I was looking at it all. And the Lord says, that's it's fine. Use it. It's good. Use it. It's not, you're, not, you're not taking any of that with you, bro. Why? Because you don't need it. It's not, it's not going to heaven. Heaven is going to take all of the things that we have down here, and they're going to pale in comparison. Guys, for most of you who are listening and Christians and tuning in and myself, I'm, gonna, I'm actually getting in a car right after this and driving up to Yakima. I'll be teaching up there all week and I got a lot of time to just think about this. Just think about my heart. Where's my heart? Is my heart okay? And you can have a house or two houses or investments or you can have businesses and if your heart is near to the Lord, you're exactly where you need to be. Exactly where you need to be. But if your heart is far from the Lord, the heart of every issue is an issue of your heart. And wouldn't it be awesome if today you just repented in this warning of chapter 18. You just said, Lord, don't let me. Here's the call again. And I heard another voice, verse 4, crying out from heaven. Come out of her, my people. Lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Verse 5, it says, for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Stop right there. I just want you guys to understand this little connection. Because if you're like me, don't you think we're in overtime right now? Isn't it overtime? Like, what are we waiting for? It says right here that her sins come out of here because her sin has reached to heaven. The word there actually is like a term you would use for Legos. It's been stacked on top until it reached heaven. It says, listen, this is important. For you Christians who are wondering what in the heck's going on, and like, where's the Lord at? If you're wondering, okay, trip out, get ready to brace. The Lord doesn't use chronological deadlines like you and I do, where we set a time. Okay, on this date, No matter what, your lease is up. Doesn't matter if you're, doesn't matter. There's a date. God doesn't use dates, okay, to determine when things happen or expire. Instead, he uses the moral compass of society. And when the moral compass of society, when the moral wrath, when the moral failure, when it stacks up high enough, When a culture gets so backwards and away from the Lord, it's upwards, not a long chronological measurement. And when sin reaches heaven, it's as if God says, okay, that's, that's enough. The septic tank is full. It's time to clean it out. And when a culture, a society, a man or a woman reaches that point of immorality where judgment and only judgment can save this person, God will bring judgment. This clears up a lot of questions for me as I look at America, as I look at the world. You probably think you know some things and you do. You, you see news, you saw the recent bill passed in California by Gavin Newsom, the, the governor of California and the voters down there. And they passed that new bill that charges sex predators and offenders at a lesser sentence. So now you can get away with sexual crimes with minors and other things and you can become a predator at an at a easier sentence. And I sit back and I'm, I'm asking myself, I don't, wait, how, how do how do they, 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 they put, they gave that green light, and it's one more direction in the wrong direction, one more step. And as these things, and maybe you've recently saw, don't even go there, just the stuff that's being put out on social media, and the stuff that's being put out on Netflix, and the chaos that is being accepted, and it's one more step in the wrong direction, and there will be, I'm wondering, Lord, when are you going to come back? And personally, I only know like a little bit. We see the tip of the iceberg, don't we? We just see a little bit of chaos, grossness. Like, that's gross, that's gross, that's wrong. And the Lord's like, dude, you don't even know what's going on in basements, other countries, our own country. And there will be a time, and the Lord says to you and to me, hey, Lincoln County, how's, how's 2020 treating you? Judy. <laughs> it could get wilder, right? What are we gonna do? May the Lord use this shakeup to wake us up. Like I said, I'm so blessed today. I got a six hour drive. I'm, I'm counting that as a blessing. Because of me and the Lord gonna do business. And I get to go and tomorrow morning, my teaching schedule starts and I'm gonna go through the entire book of Acts in five or six sessions all week long with these kids. And I get to explore Jesus and the church and how it looks. We get to let the Lord wash over us with the water of his word and soften my heart. Even as Lincoln County pulls itself out of the rubble and as we come together as families and say, Lord, what am I doing? There's a temptation to run back and grab stuff and Jesus says, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. My children, come out of her lest you share in her plagues. The Lord's heart of warning is because he loves you. He doesn't want you buying $5,000 buckets of air. All of these things that we think are going to bring us pleasure and satisfaction and happiness, they won't, but he will. And the relationship we share with others. Did you know what God wants you to do as a believer right now? And I prayed this for some of my friends yesterday. Some of my friends who were going through it, they lost everything. God wants you to be a witness, okay, of his goodness. Just where you're at. Maybe you didn't lose anything. Maybe you're actually doing good. You've actually, I, people have actually done well in 2020, believe it or not. Wouldn't that be awesome if you were a witness by being grateful and generous? You said, you know what I'm doing in 2020? I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for everything. I'm grateful for everything. Stop being a complainer. Stop being mad at, you know, the masks. and just I'm just grateful. Be a witness, okay? I, I'm so grateful and be generous. I guarantee you. One of the best things, and I meant to finish chapter 18, so you're gonna have to come back next week. Sorry about that. One of the best things we can take away from this portion of scripture is that God is gonna allow you and I an opportunity to stand tall in the midst of a world that is looking for light, looking for hope, looking for help, looking for an example. And Jesus gives us warning. Genesis and Ezekiel and Luke and 1 John and Revelation, the whole story says, guys, there's a limit. There's a limit because that stuff's ripping you off. That stuff's taking you away. Come out of her. The worldliness, the commercialism that doesn't bring him glory and doesn't bring others good. I'm gonna pray for us right now in closing, guys. I love you so much. I'm so proud of Hartford County, and I'm so heartbroken for all of the devastation. We don't even know yet that Monday's coming tomorrow and it's gonna be intense. May the Lord use us. May the Lord rise us up. Would you bow your heads? Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, which is powerful, which is true, which is timeless, which speaks to us, Lord, in anointed fashion that changes our lives. If we abide in your word, we'll know the truth and we'll be set free. And I pray in Jesus' name, you would set us free from our materialism, from our commercialism, from all these things, Lord, that are not actually bringing us joy. I pray for my friends that are here with me and those friends watching online and those friends that we'll see that didn't get this message, that they would see our lives, <laughs> that we'd be so quick so quick to share, so quick to bless, that we'd be sharing in all things, all things heavenly, all things worldly, all things earthly. Lord, you forgive me. And if you're here this morning and you're watching online, you just need help in this. You just, you would ask the same question I asked when I was on the phone with Matt yesterday. Lord, what would you have me learn? Would you raise up your hand right now if you just want to be a student? Say, Lord, show me, show me, Lord. I'll do it, I'll do it. Don't hide it from me, Lord, and help me to take what you tell me as truth and as right. Raise your hand up right now if you're willing to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? My hand is up, Jesus. I love you, and I thank you, and I commit this time in our church and this world to you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen, amen. God bless you guys. Man, that was so fun to preach.